Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. The teams that we've lost to are really, really, really freaking good. We went to Stanford. We went to Ohio State. We went to Iowa. Um, and if you just think about the Big Ten, this league is, is really good. And uh, we've said it, and I know I've said it. It's hard to win on the road. It, it's hard. And I don't know if it's a weight. I just, going back to Michael's question, I think we had to have this one tonight to help us with our resume, for sure. That was Terry Moore in 86-69. The IU women, certainly quite the road environment Iowa encountered last night in Bloomington. You know, oftentimes matching the environment for the home team can be difficult sustaining that. You know, the first quarter was so electric last night. Would both teams be able to sustain that for three more quarters? Iowa was not. IU was. And as Terry Moore said right there, big win and quite the scene last night for Caitlin Clark and company. We'll get back into some of the reaction, great night in hoops, whether you're in Bloomington, Cambridge Fieldhouse, or Mackey Arena. I'm Kevin Bowen here around out the week. Mark Dykton in for a resting slash sick, to be fair. Andy Sweeney, that voice was fading fast Honey for and him. tea, Andy. Honey and tea. Honey and tea. I just heard a WIBC report walking out in the um, in the hallway during the break, Mark. Uh, cops found 89 grams of cocaine in an onion. Oh, well, that's one one place to store. I guess that's a smart place to store. Well, I guess not, I'm not totally smart because it was caught, but you know, no one wants to really touch onions. You're trying to bring it into the airport, or like, how? What yeah, are you I, doing there? I, I can't say I hung around for details on that. So. Uh, I'm going to the Pacers game. I'm going to snack on an onion here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got my knife to cut up the onion here a little bit later at the old Pacer game. So cocaine uh, onion, okay. Next week we will hear from Chris Bowden and Shane Steichen down at the combine. That'll be Wednesday afternoon those will be in their group settings the annual group settings at the combine for us tentatively pencil in chris ballard for thursday morning he'll uh he'll hop on with us uh we'll be live down there at the combine mark we're two and a half weeks away from the start of free agency um you know a huge part of combine week is teams meeting with agents of their own free agents certainly agents of other free agents as well but you know, you, you, you start to get a little bit of clarity on some of these guys and their situations. For the Colts, we've talked about the big four. Michael Pittman Jr., Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman. I'd say from a notoriety standpoint, the next two we've talked about the most would be Gardner Minshew and Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's six announced free agents right there. There's two more that I'll mention here, and I know it won't get a lot of airtime until something happens with them, whether the Colts re-sign them or whether the Colts move on from these guys. But there's two more free agents the Colts have this year that I would kind of put in a green category. And by green, I mean you should bring back. I like to kind of stoplight out the uh, the uh, tiers of free agents for the Colts. And that would be Tyquan Lewis, and that would be Rigoberto Sanchez. Mark, the Tyquan Lewis story last year was much more than a feel-good story. Uh, the fact that he finally stayed healthy, played all 17 games, that's the feel-good nature. But he also was a very important, versatile, productive, and trustworthy piece and really was playing over Quiddy Pay in some critical situations late last season. So what you do with him, I think, is a storyline. Again, it's not major, but I just want to make sure that we throw that in there. And then Rigoberto Sanchez, their punter is a free agent. You brought up punter news with the Chiefs last Uh segment. Mark, if you re-sign Rigoberto Sanchez, that's the third contract you've given him. And now there are reasons to re-sign him. The guy didn't have a single touchback all last season. He had a career high in net punting average. Uh, he bounced back from the torn Achilles very well. But I bring it up to say this. Do you have room to be paying a kicker? Top five kicker money? And I would assume Sanchez would be very close to that for punter money. Maybe more like top ten. But that's a lot to invest in the old kickers. And of the punters that are available on the free agency market, not that you necessarily go down that market, he's the third oldest, which is kind of crazy to think about. Right around 30, right? Yeah. The other one is Cameron Johnston, who was uh, from the Texans, and then the other one was Thomas Morstead from the Jets, who's about as old as I am. 
So, again, we're trying to maintain a listening audience on this Friday. We won't talk about punters for much more than this brief period, but it's just something to note. You know, mm-hmm. Lewis, 2018, Sanchez, I think 2017. I mean, these guys have been Colts for a long time here. And, you know, Sanchez was an undrafted fine. And, and really, it's pretty remarkable how effective Sanchez has been considering he filled some pretty big shoes. I mean, Pat McAfee was obviously a big personality. He's also a damn good punter. Yeah. And for Sanchez to have done that as well as he has, it's been a great run for him. Will that continue? And that's kind of a little bit with Minshew and Moss. It's like you've got guys that you'd label kind of not the most premium positions, but they would fall into the premium money category for those jobs. Backup quarterback for Gardner, second running back for Moss, punter for Rigo. You know, do you feel like you can pay top market dollar at those spots, or do you feel like that's a place to penny pitch a little? Yeah, I think you can – easily pivot a little bit and go go elsewhere at some of those positions I I I don't know about Rigoberto Sanchez how I mean I'm sure he loves Indy and everything like that how willing would he be to take a hometown discount which sounds kind of crazy for a punter but that might be what you're looking at I mean you have the fifth most salary cap but you also have needs on many other positions you need to figure out you also need to figure out are you keeping Kenny Moore that would be a big contract Michael Pittman Jr. that's a big contract do you keep all four of the big right That, That, that that to me is a question that I have. I know you have a question in regards to Chris Ballard and maybe the free agency calendar. Yeah. Per se. So, I mean, we're obviously fast approaching the, uh, the combine and the Colts have the, I believe the fifth most salary cap space. They have a lot of needs. They've got a lot of in-house free agents. Like we just discussed that could be due for contract extensions to stay with the team. My question is, is this finally the year that Chris Ballard spends on day one of free agency? Free agency opens, and Chris Ballard and the Colts have normally been patient, wait and see. They go to day two, day three usually. Are we going to actually get a day one signing from Chris Ballard this free agency period? I'm very curious to see that. They have a lot of salary cap space. They have a lot of needs. And there's a lot of very good talent out there at positions that they could easily upgrade at. And I was curious your thoughts on that because I think that we could see that finally. Yeah, you know, the thing with Ballard and free agency is I, I, I've oftentimes said this. Um, I think a few more, like, high-end quality would be the route that I would pursue. Um, to your point, Mark, the early part of free agency is where some of that action does occur. If you look at the Ballard tenure, the seven years of it, there are a lot of hits in free agency. I mean, Samson Ebicom from last year is a great example of that. Absolute hit. In free agency, I just think at times it's almost too selective. And again, it's the Danico Autry coming to the Colts and saying, this is what Tennessee's offering. Can you sweeten the deal a hair? And then Ballard saying, nope, we've assigned market value on you. We're not going to get into a back and forth here. It's like, well, that's not how free agency works. I mean, if you choose to have that be your philosophical belief with free agency, then guys like Danico Autry are going to walk to a divisional team and, and wreck you for future years. And that's what Autry's done. So that's where I've had a little bit of pushback. It's, no, no, at times when it gets to barter time, you got to play the game. Even if you don't want to, that's the store you have to shop in. So um, that is a question that I think you have. And, and again, Mark, for the next two and a half weeks, this is the most in-house watching. Oh boy, that sounds really creepy. <laughs> this is the most uh, internal free agent watching that I'm going to be doing for the Colts. I mean, I've never, never had a free agent class look like this in terms of, man, they've got to bring back Pittman, right? What's the move if you don't bring back Grover? What's the move if you don't bring back Kenny Moore? Uh, Julian Blackman falls into that boat. And again, we're not even getting into Gardner Minshew and Zach Moss, who were two, without those two, you don't sniff being in week 18, win and get in sort of situation from last season. so Usually Colts in-house, in-house free agents, you're like, okay, there's one guy I could see them bringing yeah. back. But even that's not a necessity. This season is kind of crazy because you look at it and you're like, they need to bring back quite a few of these guys, I think. Yeah, Anthony uh, chimes in here on Twitter. He asks about Evan Hall. For those unfamiliar with that name, fifth-round rookie running back last year out of Northwestern. Tours meniscus in the season opener. Never played the rest of the season. Anthony asks if they trust him coming back from the injury to let Moss go. I, I, I think they're different players. I think Hall is a little bit more of a receiver first at running back, whereas Moss is your traditional first and second down bruiser. Yeah, I, did you see a little bit out of Trey Sermon to where you feel good about that? Uh, but Hall is definitely a name 
to make sure that uh, we keep in mind. So again, next Wednesday, Ballard and Syken down at the Combine. We'll chat with Chris one-on-one here coming up uh, Thursday on the show. I wanted to make sure we got to this. This was running rampant around Twitter yesterday, Mark. NBA All-Star Criteria. And Scotty Johnson, if you're listening, could you look this up? And Mark, if you know it, feel free to chime in. I believe there's two NBA cities that have never hosted an All-Star game. I want to say Portland is one of them. God, that just screams a Scotty question, doesn't it? Might be spoiling the uh, pop quiz, maybe. Really? I don't know. I was just guessing. I was going to say, I haven't even opened it up yet. Um, But Oklahoma City, their beat writer. I mean, I guess, I I don't know. Is Oklahoma City the other? Uh, They were asking the question of like, okay, what would it take or what does it take to host an all-star game? And according to the OKC beat writer, the NBA has, since the all-star game here in Indy ended, has come out with a three-pronged criteria to hosting the All-Star Game. Did you say, by the way, that it's two? Because it's uh, the article I'm reading is, says four cities have not hosted. Really? Who, who are the others? It's Sacramento, Portland, Memphis, and Oklahoma City. Really? Memphis is not hosted? That, huh. That's what it says, and that article was written just like a week ago. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe it is more than more than I thought. Um, so, Mark, there's three prong criteria here, all right? 7,250 hotel rooms and a minimum of three five-star hotels. That's number one on the list. Mm -hmm. Number two, you need a convention center that has 650,000 square feet of exhibition space. That's number two. And the third one, 75 nonstop domestic flights and 20 international flights. What? That's where we get in trouble, I think, Boy, as a city. How to eliminate the middle of the United States. Uh-huh. 101, right here. Yeah. Good luck, Memphis. Good luck, Oklahoma City. Good luck, Indianapolis. So I'm reading this, and I'm like, first off, I have no idea how big the convention center is. I've gotten lost in it so many times. It feels like it's 650,000 square feet, but I have no idea. So I thought, okay, let's A, start to look this up, and B, let's start to contact people that are in positions that really, really matter about this stuff around the city. So, uh, it seems like, based off a little bit of research, that we checked the hotel criteria. That, you know, with the building of all these new hotels and, you know, uh, the NBA team stay right here at the Conrad, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, we can, we can check that box. Our convention center, Mark, based off a of Google search, mm-hmm. 419,000 square feet. Okay, that's different than what Bing tells me. That says... It says 566,600 square feet. So we're still under. So we are heavily under 650,000. Uh-huh. Uh, and then a quick Google search. We are very much under the old flight oh, criteria here. 40 domestic nonstops, five international nonstops. Yeah, I mean, internationally, where are you going? Like Cancun? Like Windsor? Direct to Toronto? I, I, <laughs> do we, do we, are we still doing the Paris thing? Remember that was the yeah, big that was, that hubbub was fun. a couple years ago? Uh-huh. So... I texted someone that would know this, and I'm like, wait a minute. Does this just eliminate us like from future um, All-Star games? And the response I got was this, all right? And I quote, think of this as a starting point for conversations between the league and cities who want to host. As I understand it, this isn't a check the box by the league, as in you have to check all of them. They want to be sure cities have the infrastructure to handle what they see as an event that will keep growing. For us, that's Indy. No one should be worried. The NBA knows how we do these events and understands we do them better than anyone. I was going to say, because these, these aren't new, supposedly, checkboxes. These, these were in place when the Pacers and Indiana were given the All-Star game, correct? Well, I, I thought they were new, because remember, the NBA granted the All-Star game to Indy, like, hell, almost a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was pushed back yeah. due to COVID. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be here in 2021. So, I... I see that, and I hate it, and I'm like, this totally eliminates anything from a mid-market standpoint. And then I also think, wait, where are the next two free agency sp- or um, all-star game spots? San Francisco and Inglewood. Yeah. So clearly we are getting into a, you know, and, and that's kind of the trend with the Super Bowls. If you look at the Super Bowls, it's a, it's been heavy, like West Coast Pacific time zone here recently, and that's where we're going to be from an all-star game standpoint the next 
couple of years. So I'm reassured in reaching out to, again, someone here locally that would know a whole lot more about this situation. But if we start to fall into this trap where these become, you have to meet this before the conversation can start, and it sounds like that's not necessarily happening here, but if that does become the case, hell, Mark, uh, your girls and Rosie and Max, they're not going to be seeing anything no. in this city from an NBA All-Star Game standpoint, or hell, even a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, we do put on events like no one's business. Like, the Combine has been an annual stop for reasons because there's no way that any other city can do it the way that Indianapolis does. Now I get that the combine is small potatoes compared to the NBA all-star weekend and Super Bowls and whatnot there, but the NFL can, you know, eat its cake and go elsewhere and make all this money and stuff. And they keep saying, no, Indianapolis is the place for us. So I I would like to see more events like that come back. I mean, we do final fours, national championships, all that stuff. We can handle it. I mean, but I, I, I'd be curious to see how strict they are with, with the whole, uh, you know, square footage of your convention center and your airport flights and everything like that. We'll see. Now, earlier this week, we had Chris Gall on from Visit Indy, um, the executive VP. And, Mark, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. He said he felt like more likely a Super Bowl would return here next compared to an NBA All-Star. Correct. Game. And he seemed rather confident might be too big of a word, but I don't know. He, he expressed some... Some optimism. It was not an answer that he needed to think too hardly. No, he very quickly mentioned that. I also threw to him, okay, what would be the one event? And by the way, that interview was up on our podcast. That was Wednesday. Yes. Uh, To close Mm -hmm. out the show, I threw to him, what would be the one sporting event you would like to see uh, come to the city of Indianapolis? You could just snap your fingers and voila, it is here. And he mentioned the return of an F1 race that, that would intrigue quite a few people the global appeal to mm-hmm. that you know e- even with a super bowl a little bit i mean there's global elements without question to an nba all-star game in a super bowl but nothing compares to what an f1 race are we in three markets for f1 right here in the states are we miami austin and vegas that sounds right if we if, if indy gets an f1 race we have to do an in-studio interview with martin brundle oh was he our paulo boncaro yeah whatever yeah the that gridwalk is outstanding. Oh yeah, he. I feel like he knows half the celebrities and doesn't know the other half. And if he doesn't know you, he simply just states to them, "Who are you? Tell me who you are. What do you do?" Exactly. Yeah. That seems. Gosh, I I forgot how outstanding all of your accents are. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Ryan chimes in here. Can you factor in Lucas Oil into the square footage requirement? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I I would like to think so. Hell, the two buildings are attached, but obviously with some of these events, you're using Lucas Oil specifically for event space, like, you know, the dunk contest on Saturday night, whereas convention center-wise, you want it for, you know, more the activation fan fest sort of events. So just some interesting stuff there from the NBA. All right, great night in hoops in the state, great weekend in the state. I know one man that is very happy about a special call coming his way tomorrow. That would be the one and only Greg Rakestraw. Rake joins us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The play on the court for the IU women last night matched the atmosphere, and that is saying something. It was quite the scene outside and inside of Assembly Hall for Caitlin Clark's, what you think is her final game, in Assembly Hall. But nonetheless, the Hoosiers were outstanding. Great first quarter, back and forth. And from then, Indiana kind of stepped on the throat of Iowa the rest of the way. Nice response from how the first matchup went in Iowa City. And a very important win that might get lost in the headlines. That's what Terry Moore focused on. After the game, the teams that we've lost to are really, really, really freaking good. We went to Stanford. 
We went to Ohio State. We went to Iowa. Um, and if you just think about the Big Ten, this league is, is really good. And uh, we've said it, and I know I've said it. It's hard to win on the road. It, it's hard. And I don't know if it's a wait. I just, going back to Michael's question, I think we had to have this one tonight to help us with our resume. Getting for sure. Important for Indiana to win that game, and they now are in a much better position to host, like they did last year, those first two games in the tournament before it gets into the neutral aspect of things. Caitlin Clark's final stat line, 8 of 26, 3 of 16 from the 3. Boy, she missed a ton of shots late in that one. Easily one of her worst shooting scoring nights of the year, her lowest point total since Thanksgiving. She did have 10 rebounds and 9 assists, so 24-10-9, pretty darn impressive. The efficiency, though, a bit to be desired. So outstanding effort, group effort. Uh, the other thing Terry Moore mentioned, they changed up a lot defensively and what they did to Caitlin Clark from the first matchup. It showed last night. Coming, uh, switching to the men's side of things, Matt Painter's crew coming off their loss to Ohio State just dominated Rutgers 96-68, completely one-sided the whole way through. 52 points they scored in the first half, so it was it was never in doubt. Zach Eady, 25 points and seven rebounds. It was just a dominant performance from him. Matt Painter talked about finally scoring against Rutgers. You know, obviously this is one of the best defensive teams in the country, and uh, uh, to put 96 points up against them is, is something that we haven't done. We, we might have done it a long time ago against them, but since he's gotten that program established, we haven't been able to, to really open up and score against them, and they've made it really difficult on us. So this was a big night for us. This is a big win for us. Big, big off the bench too was Camden Heidi, who had 18 points off the bench. So Matt Painter huge, had to be huge. had to be pleased with that for sure. Uh, they get back to work at Michigan on Saturday. That is a two o'clock tip for the P- Purdue Boilermakers. You know, Mark, I, I don't know how much it matters for six games in March, which is the goal. But I am impressed by their response after each loss this season, and, and they've played n- not upper echelon opponents in any of these three games following the losses. But it's been an absolute beatdown from the start. They dominated the first half against Penn State. Uh, they beat them by whatever it was, I think 18 or 19. Uh, Iowa, same thing. Great first half, beat them by 19. And then last night, I mean, they put up 52 in the first half against Rutgers. Yeah. Rutgers allows 65 a game. And it's 52 at halftime along with Heidi. You just you can't, like, have a Purdue game and just gloss over Edie. Uh, 11 for 11 from the line, 7 of 8 from the floor. Again, shot the basketball 19 times, made it 18 times. 25 points for the big fella in that one. All right, lastly over Gamebridge Fieldhouse last night, Pacers with, I thought, one of the better halves of the season. I think you obviously you throw in the caveat of the opponent there. Sure, the third quarter wasn't good, but I never felt like Detroit seriously threatened. I don't even know if they ever got it single digits in the second half, 129-115, the Pacers get it done there. We talked a lot about T.J. McConnell and that performance. Tyrese Halliburton, though, 25-13. and 13. Great start for hit, hitting a few threes just like he did Sunday night. A couple dunks. Don't say that too often with Tyrese. Health-wise, how's he feeling? The Pacers all-star starter commented on that after. Like It felt like in the, the games, like my explosive movements as the game went on just kind of decreased. And I didn't feel that in the moment, but then when you look at, like, obviously all of our numbers, right, my numbers are down, and I'm not doing as many explosive movements. So I'm curious to see what the numbers look like today compared to what they were a week ago or what they were, you know, before the injury. Uh, but I felt really good. I just felt like I could get to every spot, uh, explosive movements. My The step back going to my right, exploding from my left leg has, has given me troubles. And I got to it a couple of times today, missed them. I got to him, so that's a plus. Great insight there from Tyrese Halliburton on his health. There is one nitpick I have I didn't like about last night. I want to share that on the other side. Uh, but, Mark, did you see who was in the building last night at halftime? I did not. Who did I miss? The Red Panda oh. was in the building. I hate to say this. Oh, no. Has she lost her fastball? I have seen some videos lately where she's dropping a lot of plates. I'd and- like to think those are Photoshopped. I would like to as well, or maybe AI generated. That's the kind of route we're going these days. The AI generated plates breaking. Unfortunately, we're gonna, I mean, she's been doing this for 30 plus years. Right. right. And again, I'm saying, you know, is this MJ with the Wizards? That's kind of what I'm asking here. Well, she's still wearing the same jersey, though. She's well, not the blue I, panda. Sure, but yeah. I, I, I feel like we need a 30 for 30 on her at some point. Um, is that she the, the only o- one? That Where the does she live? That- 
Yeah. That How does the unicycle travel? That and the old guy that climbs the chairs. He's been doing that, it for now a long time. Now that dude's psycho. Yeah. That dude is certified psycho. I'd yeah, like to see him at like a breakfast banquet or something, stacking if, chairs. If he is at, if he's the halftime show, I've got to go to the concourse. I, I, I can't watch it. I'm, I don't want to see I, what would happen if he falls. I've, I've asked that question a couple times when I've seen him do the halftime show. I'm like, my, my daughter's always like, where's the dogs with Frisbees? I'm like, I would feel a lot better about that than what I'm watching right here. This well, guy and you know me. the other one that you aren't worried about safety, but he is. I don't know if there's three humans in the entire world that are better at their job than the Simon Says guy. Oh, yeah. He is incredible. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden, like, the visiting players are coming out to warm up for the second half and he's got 16 people still in the game, he'll just snap his fingers and boom, it'll be down to three. I mean, that is, that is a pretty particular skill where you got to be like, how did you get so good at that? You're like, like I can make a career out of this. Does he go to, like, elementary playgrounds and practice? Spencer, you're out. <laughs> get out of here. Go on the monkey bars. Showing up to recess around America. Big one for Butler tomorrow night. It goes without saying. This is, I boy, I cannot emphasize that enough. Seton Hall is right there, probably on the right side of the bubble. Again, we mentioned it earlier in the show, Joe Lenardi has now moved Butler to the wrong side of the bubble here. If you look at their final three games, markets like St. John's, DePaul, and something else that's not of significant note resume-wise for Butler, that's not ideal. So this is a quad one road opportunity against a fellow bubble team. You know, if you if you lose this and get swept by Seton Hall, that is not ideal for the Bulldogs. So if you get it Saturday night, I think you're Feeling better, feeling good, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't get it, you're going to need a lot, I think, coming up Big East tournament-wise for the Butler Bulldogs. All right, on the other side, maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit. One aspect of the Pacers game I thought we'd get, and we did not, not too good in my eyes. Uh, We'll talk about that on the other side. It is the wake-up call here. Mark Dykton filling in for Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton pulling double duty here on this Friday morning hence the double the dueling banjos uh, dueling uh pianos at howl to moon they used to be a thursday night staple back in the day for I, yours truly i don't know if you've ever seen deliverance it's a pretty odd movie uh fun fact deliverance was the first date that todd and deborah dykton went on look at that uh so nine months why- later boom or no <laughs> well well why she didn't run for the hills after that suggestion from todd i don't know but if you've seen Deliverance, you could not pick probably a worse first date movie to go on. Uh, but, yeah, the, they've been going strong ever since, so maybe maybe that's the secret. I don't know. Well, without that, we would not be functioning here on this Friday morning. Andy Sweeney is out. Mark Dykton not only filling it as a co-host, but also doing his normal producing work for us. Uh, mapping out the rest of the day. I know Jake is out. I think he's off to Vegas for the weekend, so James Boyd will be in there. I think John's feeling better. I text him a little bit. Um uh, I guess that was Wednesday afternoon. I was texting back and forth with him. He's got a remote coming up at GG's on the northeast side. So check that out. JMV will be back. Always good. To, uh, he rarely, rarely misses time. So good to see him back. I don't know if I'm nitpicking too much, and I don't know if this falls into you know Rick Carlisle's comments Tuesday. You know, Jeremiah Johnson brought it up with us Wednesday as well, Mark. But you know, I'm watching the Pacers' first half unfold last night, and really I even thought about it in warm-ups. I thought, you know what? This could be a night that Jairus Walker gets to be that ninth or tenth spot. Uh, you know, you were missing Aaron Neesmith. By the way, nothing on the right ankle shin area, at least nothing I could see last night for Aaron Neesmith. So I think good news there. He's not, you know, whatever, booted up or anything like that. But he was out. Jalen Smith was dressing, but only for emergency situation there. So they wanted to continue to keep him out. Sounds like he should be good to go for Sunday when Luka and Kyrie are in the building with Dallas. Um, so I thought, okay, there's a chance that Walker could get in the rotation. And then when they're up like 20, 20 plus in the second quarter, I'm like, good. This will be a night that you get Jairus Walker 12 to 15 minutes. That never happened. He didn't get a single minute there. So, you know, opportunities like this, Mark, they don't arise too often on an NBA night where you can play guys that are out of the rotation. And again, I bring that up because Walker, you know, based off Rick Carlisle's comments to us on Tuesday, he played very well in his last G League stint. Felt like he earned some NBA level attention from the coaching staff, and that was a disappointment for me last night that we didn't get to see Walker. It is odd that yeah, you would think that yeah, twenty points. Oh hey, throw in some of the young guys, let them get some experience and everything like that. But then the Pacers just 
That third quarter by the third quarter was as good as the first half was. The third quarter was probably equally as ugly. I did get a bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. In the third quarter, where I was like, "Man, if they if they blow this, yeah, like, but it's the Pistons." Man. I I know, but Cade Cunningham is pretty good, and I I was just like, "Man, I, this lead was gargantuan. Now it's kind of in smelling and sniffing distance." And I got a little bit concerned, uh, but yeah, no no play for Jarris Walker. Uh, it's been kind of. Kind of been the mo for his rookie season, which has kind of been he's there, right. but he's not, you know. And then which is just a little bit of a bummer. I, I I get it; it's not the end of the world by any means, but it's just a little bit of a bummer in what you have. I did think for the most part everybody was pretty effective off the bench. Maybe McDermott would have been the one that wasn't truly truly effective, but McConnell was of course just outstanding per usual. Uh, nice minutes from Isaiah Jackson. I thought Obi Toppin continues to give them a good run. And again, I know the Ben Shepard stuff doesn't pop up all over the box score, but he just, he's just a guy I trust. And to say that about a rookie doesn't happen very often. I, I thought it was nice to see six players in double figures. That was nice. Nice distribution going on there. Yeah, it was, it was very good balance. Yeah, very good. You know, Cade Cunningham, when you watch him, Mark, I, you know, boy, I feel like he can lull you to sleep. Like, that was one of the quieter 30-point nights. Mm-hmm. He, he was a tough cover. 30-8 and eight for Cade Cunningham. I'm like, gosh, is he going to get out of that hellhole? Ever, he would like. You would like to. I'm sure he would too. I but... know he's still young, but <sighs> still two games away from getting ten wins on the season. Yeah, for the Pistons. Rough. Monty Williams, an ugly year for Detroit. So coming up Sunday, it'll be Luca and Kyrie in the building. Luca went off last night, not only with a technical but with a scoring outburst as they beat the Suns. And then Saturday, uh, excuse me, Monday it'll be Toronto. Wednesday, the Pelicans. Just something to note on the Pelicans. They will be on a back-to-back on the back end of that coming up Wednesday. Now, remember, that game has moved to ESPN. So, uh, I don't know if you'll see any sort of resting the previous night or how they'll handle that situation. Uh, But that is the four-game homestand there for the Pacers. You see this guy that sent the uh, Purdue first half, the halftime show at Purdue, the guy on, like, the – the beam that's like 60 feet in the air? Or it's a yeah. woman, I guess. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, what? No. Are you afraid of heights? I wouldn't say I'm afraid of them. Like, I I mean, you could, yeah, you put me a thousand feet in the air with like a, a you know, a bungee cord. I'm not going to be excited about it, but I, I don't think I'm too afraid of heights. I can handle like climbing and, you know, hiking a trail up a mountain or something like that. Not too shabby. I don't have problems with air travel. But I would say if you put me on a beam 60 feet up and say, hey, no net, no harness, do your business. I'd be like, I'm going to do my business on my pants, I think. (laughs) Shout out to Dave Griffiths here from Fox 59. He tweeted out these pictures from the halftime show. I'm more impressed by how much of the Mackie faithful are staying in the seats during halftime. Yeah, considering what the uh, first first half effort was with 52 points, that could have been an early night to hit the bars and everything there. Uh, yeah, again, Zach Eady outstanding last night. Cameron Heidi, very important off the bench for Purdue. It'll be Michigan. That's a CBS game coming up on Saturday. So uh, lay in the land schedule-wise coming up this weekend, college basketball. You've got IU Penn State tomorrow at noon. Obviously, that was one of the worst performances of the season in the first matchup between these two teams in Bloomington. We know Penn State without their leading score. We know they also pulled off a big upset with that late flurry over Illinois on um, Wednesday night. Uh, then you're going to have Butler, Seton Hall, 8.30 from New Jersey. A huge, 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 cannot emphasize that enough, insert Donald Trump voice, huge of huge. how big that one is for the Bulldogs. And then Sunday, it'll be Purdue and Michigan Sunday afternoon. Pacers, that's an earlier tip on Sunday, by the way, 5 o'clock tip against Luca. Where does Luca rank on the visiting appeal for an individual player i think I, before i've said steph and i i, I put ja morant kind of up there for the little kids for mm-hmm. a while i don't know if it's still there i think certainly. that's adjusted since um steph ja who else are you put i would think lucas pretty high i mean lebron's still got to be up there sure uh yeah luca who who gets Do more you put durant over luca you put Jokic over Luka? I was going to ask, is Jokic a big... I mean, I'm sure he is, but like, fan, outside fan, you know, if, if, if the Nuggets come to town and the Mavericks come to town, who's getting more... I think there's more Luka jerseys. I would say so, too. But I, I, again, I've been to a few Nuggets-Pacers games here at Gamebridge, of course, and I mean, there are definitely Jokic jerseys, but 
I don't know. I feel like Luca. Yeah, I, I would say Luca's probably winning that contest. I would Zion say it's pretty strong on, on Wednesday night. I don't know. I feel Zion's been so banged up the last few years. I feel like you know the shine is kind of off of him too. Like he's still got his fans and everything like that. But I feel like as far as an attraction, oh, the Pelicans are in town. Got to go see Zion. I don't think that registers as much as it used to. That'll actually be um, two Pelicans games in three nights for the Pacers coming up next week. And Zion, the home game on ESPN, 7.30, and then 8 o'clock Friday uh, down in New Orleans. Did we look this up last week? Is Cody Zeller a Pelican? I believe he is, yeah. I think we looked that up. And he has not done We Grow Hair Indy? Shockingly, no. He needs to, though. Uh, Pelicans won last night. Zion with 27. Cody Zeller, two minutes off the bench for Cody. Hey, there you go. Gosh, they went deep into the bench there. Yeah, he could use the hair, regrow hair, Andy. Maybe when they're in town, you can give a little, you know, sure. shoulder shoulder nudge. Uh, 34 and 22 on the year there, the Pelicans. Um, Again, coming up in about an hour, cool combine story we had. We saw Shaquille O'Neal take to Twitter to talk about his experience at the old country kitchen right here. In, I guess just north of downtown Indianapolis, 18th of college. Uh, they've had quite the celebrity visits over the year. Their owner, uh, Cynthia Wilson, going to join us uh, to chat a little bit about that. It's obviously a free bait, freebie Friday for the pop quiz. Um, we'll do that as well. You said your viewing experience last night was concentrated um, a little bit more Iowa IU focused <laughs> because Purdue it got over pretty quickly. Yeah, and- I was watching. I was splitting time between Purdue and the Pacers until uh, Iowa Indiana got underway. Then the Purdue game was well in hand. So I was like, okay, I think I can kind of just go to Pacers and, you know, IU, Iowa. Well, then the, the Bally Sports app went down for me. Oh, shocking. I know. So the That fourth, hasn't happened before. <laughs> the Did four, AT&T have anything to do with that? I don't know. The fourth quarter was underway, and I, everything was smooth sailing. And all of a sudden, I got the, sorry, there's a problem. And so I was like, okay, well, the fourth quarter just got started. Well, by the time that got fixed, guess what? Ten seconds were left in the game. And they just winded the clock down. And the Pacers win. All right. Well, that was fun. So most of my time actually ended up being spent on IU and Iowa because I could not watch the Pacers game in the fourth quarter because the signal went out. So that was fun. I'm not sure if that happened to anybody else. It seemed that a I couple people had that issue. Okay, I didn't see the social media craze. Yeah. So that that was fun. So I was splitting time between Caitlin Clark and then reading some uh, Colts combine kerfuffle. So... We can get into that just a little bit later about possibly hmm, being in on a tight end. Could they be in on Brock Bowers? That's that's a note that I saw that I kind of hmm, raised my eyebrows. Yeah, there. Daniel Jeremiah brought that up. He'll be on the Combine uh, telecast, and he's going to join us coming up on Tuesday. I was thrilled by this news yesterday. Did you see that um, uh, the man that, in my opinion, it was horrible at play-by-play is moving off the Notre Dame play-by-play? Oh, is he? Spot. That has that would, to be happy for you. That would be Jack Collinsworth. I'm thrilled that he's done. So what's he doing then? I, I don't know. Did and they move him frankly, up? Frankly, I don't care. Was that voluntary or was that well, you need to get out of here? I don't know. Now, it's interesting because doesn't Chris Collinsworth have a lot of say in NBC? I mean, a you lot would of think so. feel he, like he's baked that into his contract. He brought the nepotism to the NBC studios, so yeah. I, would, I would assume he does have some you know, Jack brings some, some energy, sideline reporter, I don't know, pregame show, play-by-play. No, thanks. Uh, Dan Hicks. That's the uh, mm. rumor there with Garrett. I didn't Frankly, I didn't even love Jason Garrett either. I actually liked the old uh, Todd McShay, Mike Tirico duo. The, the, that the, was a good combo. And the no duo I like, which again, NBC now is going to be front and center with a lot of these marquee college football games, not just the Notre Dame. They obviously have the Big Ten deal as well. Uh, I, I do think Noah Eagle's great. On he is Sun, really good. And I think him and Todd Bla- Blackledge make a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like them. I think the thought there is whatever the NBC marquee game of the week is, they'll do. I, if I'm not mistaken... I believe they did Notre Dame-Ohio State last year. So they'll kind of fall into – if Notre Dame has the marquee NBC game, they'll slide them into that booth. Um, But, yes, I was thrilled by that. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll get back into a little football conversation. We might ask Mark Dykton about his Bears. Where does he see Justin Fields ending up? There's been a little bit of chatter about that here in recent days. How will that domino effect impact potentially the Colts and certainly the draft position of some teams? We'll do that here in a bit and continue to recap a busy hoops night around the state. Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here, 93.5107.5, The Wake Up Call. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Final hour of the week here. It is the wake-up call on 93.5, 107.5. The fan, Mark Dykton, in for an under-the-weather losing voice, Andy Sweeney. You lost the voice last week, right? Yeah, so, I mean, Jeez. if the trend is our friend, you better be watching out for a combine week, Kev. Could I'll be coming be next. your way. Gosh, that sounds like an awful time for that to happen again. Ballard and Steichen will meet the media Wednesday down at the Combine. We'll be down there, I believe, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Chris Ballard's scheduled to join us on the show, I think, late Thursday, right around 9.30 or so on Thursday. We'll probably re-rack that coming up on Friday morning. So, uh, busy week next week. One of my favorite weeks of the year for the Combine. Shout-out to Robert. He gave us the uh, Shaheen Holloway. Certainly, Purdue fans will mm-hmm. re- remember that name. That is the head coach of Seton Hall. So we gave away a four-pack of tickets to the next Butler home game. Big one for the Bulldogs coming up tomorrow night. Shaheen Holloway, a four-letter word for Purdue fans? Uh, I would say so. That mm-hmm. and the Tobin character. And the Peacock you- drop I pay- play on education. Again, I-, I can sit here and be like, I've been very impressed by how Purdue's responded from each of their losses. Don't know or think that matters much for March. Am I underselling that? Does it matter for March? I mean, in March, if you lose, your season's over. No, I don't think you're underselling it. I mean, I guess if they would lose in the Big Ten title, then or you know, at some point if they lose in the Big Ten tournament, you know. Yeah, but that's still not. You're still not. I mean, you're not out of the obviously the big tournament at that point. Your seating may change a little bit, but I mean, barring like a first, uh, a really quick exit out of there, I can't imagine they're anything less than a one seat at this point. So, oh yeah, they're they're borderline yeah, a lot. I, I don't. I'm not too overly concerned with unless they completely the bottom falls out in this last couple weeks of the season, I can't imagine that their their seating is going to change at all, which means my expectations for them heading into the tournament won't change. Does that change for you? No, 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 no. I, yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, opponent-wise, I know they do face the rematches with Illinois and Wisconsin coming up. You know, a lot of people reacting to, you know, lost Sunday. Oh, boy, you know, look at the calendar. You know, Purdue all of a sudden is, is seeing the ghost of Christmas pass, and here yeah. you go. Uh, it, it's happening again. That's why I've brought up Lance Jones so often this season. Mark is an X factor for Purdue. Lance Jones was not on the floor against Fairleigh Dickinson. He was not on the floor against St. Peter's. Does he naturally get asked about the March losses? Sure. But that dude is pretty crazy and pretty, like, um, you know, forgets about the last play pretty quickly. That I think that's a critical element to Purdue because you know what stood something out something in the name Lance that he brings out the crazy something <laughs> exactly might be it. Uh, it, it, it exactly he's been very good Lance uh, to be fair more often than not for Purdue this season but you know when you think back to last year and losing Fairleigh Dickinson you know not only was it just the missing of the open looks to me what was most shocking was just the hesitancy and the overall um, like averse reaction to diving on the floor and just you know traits that you think of with with Purdue. So nonetheless, um, to me, you have to be impressed by how they've responded again from these three losses. Last night, they beat Rutgers by 28. They put up 98 on a team that averages giving up 65. One of the things Matt Painter wanted to focus on after that Ohio State game, need more bench production. And he meant not necessarily like, I don't need outright points, but I just need when guys are on the floor coming off the bench, give us what we are asking from you. I don't think they're asking Cameron Heidi to hit all seven shots from the field and score 18, but he certainly did that for you last night. So big for Heidi. He had been a bit quiet here as of late. I think you still want to see more from Fletcher Lawyer. He was probably the one guy last night that was uber quiet when you have a 98-point night. But 
I'd say no. even even Mason Gillis's effort. It wasn't like it was nothing that's going to jump out of the stat sheet, but nine points and six rebounds. He's got to be happy with that bench production. Oh, certainly. Yeah. And, and I almost felt like when he mentioned that comment Sunday after the Ohio State game, I almost put Gillis to the side. Like mm-hmm. he, he just does. He does a lot of the little stuff. And, you know, we've asked this with Rob Blackman before. I do think if there is kind of that six pseudo starter, it is Gillis. You know, at times uh, with Trey Kaufman Rand, you do have more of a clogging up of the paint. With Gillis, you stretch the floor a little bit more. So it will not shock me at all. And hell, there's been many games this season where, you know, if Purdue's ending a game per se, it's Gillis on the floor over Trey Kaufman Rand. So again, in Ann Arbor on Sunday, that is a two o'clock tip. They, they couldn't flex that one? I guess not. That's CBS. Yeah. The, I guess the, you get Purdue, but Michigan seems like a flexible opponent. Do any of the Final Four opponents for Purdue give you pause as far as there might be a loss there? Because even Illinois... It's at Illinois, correct? Yeah, but I mean, maybe, but Illinois didn't look good the other night either, so I'm not sure really yeah, what to make of that. you face Terrence Shannon Jr. in that first matchup, if my memory serves correct. He's obviously back for that one. You know, another question you would have, too, is have you locked up the Big Ten by that? You know, you're, you're yeah. two games up. Uh, is that the final game, or is no, Wisconsin the final? Wisconsin's the final one. Don't they still have Michigan State? Yeah, so it's at Michigan on Sunday. Next Saturday, home against Michigan State. Then March 5th, which is a Tuesday, at Illinois. And then Sunday, March 10th, you wrap the regular season, home against Wisconsin. Four games, three different networks. Welcome to Big Ten Basketball. Mm-hmm. Again, Indiana will be on Big Ten Network tomorrow. That is Penn State. Penn State has uh, dismissed their leading score. Kanye Clear didn't play actually against IU in that matchup, that ugly second half for Indiana a few weeks ago at Assembly Hall. That was quite the scene last night. The, 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 the images of the lines getting into Assembly Hall yeah. is probably what stood out to me. more than I mean, sure, the whiteout and just the general crowd noise you could feel, but more than anything, um, that was quite – the anticipation for her. and we rattled off Mark yesterday some of those ticket prices. Totally. That was insane. Yeah. And, and you're just thinking like hours ahead of time. I mean, you got families with young kids there and everything like that, but you're just like strapped in. Like, thank God the weather was pretty manageable yesterday. It wasn't like a rainy or snowy night or anything like that where you could be potentially like having issues or anything like that. It was a nice, cool night. It wasn't too bad, but man, waiting out there for that long. And yeah, you said the videos. Just kept going and going. You see, like, even the, the fast frame videos and just stretching around the entire building. Did you see, happen to see Laval Jordan's tweet? I did not. So he tweeted a few pictures from the game. He went with his daughter, and he also, you know, took, you know, a picture, obviously, of the court and you know, a picture of the line getting in. He tweeted, crazy line for the Caitlin show in Bloomington. One security guy told me that a guy drove in from Idaho. To get in line at 6 a.m. From Idaho? From Idaho. Now, <laughs> I need to Jake Query would be guessing how many hours it is. Mark Dykton, Boise to Bloomington. Give me a guess. I mean, this is a complete guess. I'll say eight and a half hours. Oh, gosh. Double it, right? I don't know. I have no idea. Boise to... Do we believe that? That seems... A... Oh, my gosh. Triple it. What? 27 hours. What? Boise, Idaho to Bloomington, Indiana. There's got to be more efficient road games. Could you not go at Nebraska? At, at, at Minnesota? Hell, just go to one of the non, I don't know, one of the non-conference Iowa games? Yeah, Boise through Salt Lake, through Wyoming, through Nebraska, Kansas City to St. Louis. Were there no flights? Beautiful we- Effingham. Oh, Effingham. I got a speeding ticket there. Really? Yeah. Is that where the cross is? The uh-huh. middle cross? Oh, yeah. Y- y- there's no flights? I mean, I know we were talking about that earlier with All-Star Game stuff. You can't get a flight from Boise, Idaho to even like Indianapolis and just kind of get a rental car at that point and just cut some time out? 27 hours, Boise. And again, uh, this I, is... I, I would put my foot down there. I'd be like, no, we're dry- we're flying or we're not doing it. This is some of, you know, what we could be getting here. From a Caitlin Clark experience. And that happens quick. The WNBA draft, one thing that's different about the um you know how how their offseason calendar is, is you go draft like right into the season. So the WNBA draft 
is April 15th, 2024. So think about that. Their final four ends, what, like early April? Like like the men. And in less than two weeks later, you have the WNBA draft. So you're going to get a very quick, like, do you declare mm-hmm. to draft? And then Mark, the Fever's first game is May 14th. I mean, we are we could be less than three months away from Caitlin Clark in a Fever uniform. You know, that's much different than how the NBA offseason calendar right. works, where you have the final four in April. Now it's going to be a two-day draft for the NBA. That's in late June, and obviously your first game now is late late October. So I guess technically, if we want to get technical, the home opener for the Fever here in 2024. And how about this? I find this interesting. You go up to ESPN schedule, okay? Mm-hmm. The home opener is Thursday, May 16th, all right? The season opener is at Connecticut on Tuesday, May 14th. They've got the little ticket tab uh-huh. for each of these games. The ticket for the game at UConn at Connecticut would probably be the better way. They're the Sun, right? The Connecticut, Connecticut Sun. Connecticut Sun, yeah. Tickets as low as $24 for that game, okay? Mm-hmm. That is a road game. For the Fever's first home game, the ticket tab releases tickets as low as $169. Mm. $145 difference. You think I mean, there's some anticipation for Caitlin Clark's home debut? Is that the most expensive ticket in WNBA history? Well, here, I mean, I'm scrolling through the schedule. At Washington, tickets as low as 206. I mean, are people really projecting her? Like, are 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 the is the is the secondary ticket market already there for her? I guess it shouldn't shock me when we rattled off the ticket prices last night in Assembly Hall. I don't know. Somebody in, in the chat says, "Are you sure?" I do, he, he didn't miss here, and it was Iowa instead of Idaho. That's why I guess eight and a half hours. I thought, I'm, I was like, I'm rattling off the tweets. It says Idaho. And somebody else said uh, 27 hours and where, uh, where they say 20, where to go. 20, driving 26 hours to watch Caitlin Clark go eight for 26. Ouch. That's true. Yeah, one of the worst shooting nights of her, career, uh, of her season, I should say, is probably the better way to put it. Again, the lowest point total for her. Since Thanksgiving, Terry Moore mentioned after the game, they changed up some things from the first matchup and how they guarded her. And boy, Clark went off in that first quarter. I mean, when I think she had 13 of their 20, I believe, at the end of one. And you're thinking to yourself, here we go. Yep. Is he's one, you know, and, and I'm showing Maddie Bowen. And she's like, you know what? I want Caitlin Clark to score, what, 40 or 50 in IU to win the game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, IU won. You didn't get Caitlin Clark on that level. But nonetheless, a very important win. So we'll see if they match up for a third time coming up. In the Big Ten tournament, I wonder where that is. The men are in Minneapolis. Are the women there as well? Don't know. Do, are, you, are you one of those people that say Caitlin Clark's legacy is that she hasn't won a national championship yet, therefore she can't be considered as great as she is? I think that's kind of asinine. They're in Minneapolis. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I think you can be an exceptional individual player. And be a great talent. I, I I do think there is something to be said for championships. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you when I hear the word legacy, legacy to me probably incorporates the championship label to it. But like just individual talent, individual player, I think you can kind of separate yourself yeah. from that. I know we're really kind of parsing words there. Right. I, I don't know if that's the exact way to describe it. No, I agree. I mean, you can you can make it two different arguments. You can say, well, she's as great as she is, but it's a team game in the in the long run, so. She's not fully responsible for their, you know, championship success or non-success. So, I mean, we'll see what they do in the tournament this year. I have to imagine they're going to be one of the favorites. And definitely we'll be curious to see what the ratings are for those games, for the you know, NCAA women's tournaments when they're playing. Now, your oldest daughter is not yet seven, correct? She will be seven on March 19th. Okay. Any Caitlin Clark intrigue, any of that yet? Not yet, but I did have the game on, and she kept like looking over and everything like that. But I, if I say the words Caitlin Clark, she doesn't really understand. She's in the mo- she's in the mode at this point where she knows mascots of teams. Like we we're walking around the NBA crossover, she wants to see Freddie Fever, and she's like, "Where's Boomer? Where's Rowdy?" And like, "Oh, he's they're around here somewhere." Like Rowdy was baseball, but he's still around. And the Spurs uh, mascot gave her a tap on the head. She liked that. But she's more in the mascot mode right now than she is like knowing players and everything. But I am like curious, you know, uh, I don't know, ticket like demographic or like just how the season tickets for the Fever will evolve if indeed this does 
happen. Caitlin Clark, for those that missed it last night, in front of Lynn Dunn, in front of Christy Sides, Fever GM and head coach, very politically correct after the game, to be expected. And when asked about um, playing in the state of Indiana, obviously asked about the fever. You know, even like, I would think from a, you know, uh, seamless transition to a professional environment, I would think playing for the Indiana Fever would provide something somewhat similar to her lifestyle right now. Yeah. It's Midwest. Uh, a lot of people could still be in drivable distance from Iowa City. We've talked about Heller, boyfriend, works for the Pacers, Fran McCaffrey's son, Connor. Um, but more than that, I, I, I just think you would want uh, Aaliyah Boston is already, you know, certainly going to handle a whole lot of front court. Heavy attention on that end. I I don't know. Maybe I'm biased and maybe I'm missing some obvious stuff, but you know more so than some other markets in the WNBA or even just team situations. I think this is a pretty good thing to walk into. I would think so because I mean her endorsements. You have to imagine unless they're local in Iowa, they're not going to be affected nationally. Like if she has a sponsorship with Gatorade, I can't imagine that's going to go out the window if she goes to the WNBA into the Fever and everything. So all those endorsements that she has should carry over to her WNBA career in Indiana or wherever it would be. And, you know, yes, the WNBA contract isn't as lucrative as it is for the NBA, but that's also all the endorsement money should carry over, should cross over from her college days, I would assume. So she should be set in that in that aspect. Uh, one other aspect, uh, moving from Indiana women to the Indiana men, we did get late last night from an NBA standpoint. You got a little Jalen hood Shafino, Trace Jackson Davis on the floor at the same time as the Warriors handled the Le- LeBron-less Lakers in that one. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, 17 points in 14 minutes for him uh, last night as he uh, got a good amount of clock there. I think there's been some chatter in Golden State of when he would play over Kevin Looney and become kind of that first big, one of their first bigs off the bench there. Uh, Jalen Huchifino had four points in five minutes for the Lakers. All right, it is going to be a freebie Friday coming up here in a few. Um, that would be a Jiffy Lou Pri- or Jiffy Lube oil change coming your way, 317-239-1070. Again, to close things out today, Cynthia Wilson the owner of Country Kitchen here, a staple soul food-wise, 18th in college. Uh, they have also been a big-time attraction from a celebrity standpoint. Shaquille O'Neal took to Twitter last week to make sure he gave a shout-out, an in-person shout-out there. She's got some fun celebrity stories, and I know with Combine Week here, it's a popular place, so uh, we'll uh, j- uh, sh- she'll join the show, co- show coming up here in a bit. Before all, all of that, let's do a morning checkdown. All right, last night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it was certainly one of the better halves of the year for the Pacers. Nothing sluggish out of the All-Star break for them. Um, not a great third quarter by any means, but they were able to keep, keep that double-digit lead and hold on. 129-115, TJ McConnell, outstanding. You know, one thing you, you don't often see, but it was there in the first quarter into the second. The starters set a great tone, but then the bench took it to another level. McConnell, 16 points, six boards, five assists. A patented McConnell steal. How about two three-pointers for TJ McConnell? That's pretty nice to see. Don't see that very often no. from him. Halliburton, 25-13. and 13. Great start. Two impressive dunks. I was a little nervous when I saw him with a, a little ice wrap on the right arm, right wrist after the game. But, again, the Pacers get it done out of the break, 129-115. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards. Um, not everybody's going to play perfect and you know he's a guy that is a constant source of energy and um, he did great things throughout the entire game so you know hats off to him and look nobody was perfect in the game that's a hard team to play I mean they've they've developed a style and an approach where they they can stay in virtually every game and give themselves a chance to win and so you know our first half you know, put them down further, and they've been through so much upheaval and and, and and difficulty that, you know, it's galvanized them, their competitiveness. And so they came out and really competed hard in the, in the third and fourth quarter, and they made it hard. And that's that's what this is. This is hard. Hard things are hard. Hard things are hard. The Pacers got their fifth win in seven games, back-to-back wins. Uh, since uh, after the All-Star break, they wrapped up with the Raptors, and then they beat the Pistons. They'll get back to work on Sunday when Luka Doncic and uh, 
Kyrie Irving come to town and the Dallas Mavericks with a five o'clock tip, which is an interesting time. I can't believe the Pistons are that bad. You can't? No, like Why? it's not like their talent. It's like they're running out G Leaguers. No. They're but- running out like top ten picks. Where was Kate Cunningham drafted? Where was Jaden Ivey drafted? Where was Jalen Duran drafted? Where was James Wiseman drafted? Like you watch some NBA teams some nights and it's like, wait a minute, that is literally the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. It's not that with Detroit. Yeah, but Rasheed Wallace and Tayshawn Prince ain't walking through that door well, anymore. Sure, I think the but, problem I mean, they is had Bogdanovich before the trade deadline. I mean, Fournier is a nice player. He's getting in last night. You know what it is? Is that the Lions finally are having some like good karma come their way, and the Pistons have to suffer for it now. The fighting Dan. You can't Campbell. have too many good teams in Detroit. I feel like that's a rule. That's an unknown mm, rule. It's fine by me. Yeah. Yeah. The so, brawl curse finally catches up. The Tigers up to stink. The Red Wings, I don't know. Patrick Kane's stuck there. And then you've got the Lions with the one saving grace, and then the Pistons stink. That's how it works. You can't have too many good teams in Detroit. The Mark Dykton rules. Hard and fast rule. <laughs> if it's hard, it's hard, right? Is yeah. that what Rick, Rick Arlow said? Uh, moving over to the women's side of things. Last night, the IU women took care of business against Iowa, 86-69. Caitlin Clark, we talked about it all morning, had one of her worst shooting nights of her career 24 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, but 8 for 26 from the field. Only 3 for 16 from 3-point range, and actually 5 for 8 from free throws. So she struggled all over the place. Terry Morin talked about the big top 10 win her Hoosiers got. The teams that we've lost to are really, really, really freaking good. We went to Stanford. We went to Ohio State. We went to Iowa. Um, and if you just think about the Big Ten... This league is is really good, and uh, we've said it, and I know I've said it. It's hard to win on the road. It, it's hard. And I don't know if it's a weight. I just, going back to Michael's question, I think we had to have this one tonight to help us with our resume. Yeah, sh- for sure. Shout out individually for the Hoosiers, Sarah Scalia, 25, Mackenzie Holmes, her usual scoring, rebounding self, controlling the paint there. She had 24. Sydney Parrish was big. Orzan was big. Uh, very great balance in getting the win there. And, you know, I think what she's getting at for those kind of unfamiliar, uh, Mark, you bring up the top five win. It should kind of cement them in a hosting the first two rounds in Assembly Hall. Now, obviously, last year they didn't take advantage of that, losing to Miami in round two. But still, uh, that win gives them a really strong win on their resume. And I think as long as they hold serve the rest of the way, don't do anything too crazy. From an A-game standpoint in the Big Ten tournament, uh, they should be playing host to the first two rounds there. So if you're talking IU women, you're talking Purdue men, you're going to get them very close to their homes. IU women, probably right there in Assembly Hall for the first two rounds. For the Purdue men, in all likelihood, it'll be Gamebridge Fieldhouse and then to Detroit for their tournament run. And if you're a Purdue faithful, you hope it ends in Phoenix for the Final Four. You hope so. You <laughs> hope so. You don't want a first-round exit again. Speaking of the Boilers last night, quite the response, quite the offensive output. Put up 98 on the best Big Ten defensive team. Rutgers gives up 65 a game. 52 in the first half from the Boilers. Here was Matt Painter. You know, obviously this is one of the best defensive teams in the country, and uh, uh, to put 96 points up against them is, is something that we haven't done. We, we might have done it a long time ago against them, but since he's gotten that program established we haven't been able to to really open up and score against them and they've made it really difficult on us so this was a big night for us this is a big win for us very impressive to put up that number again against that defense certainly indiana and purdue fans know all too well what Rutgers can do from a suffocating standpoint on that end of the floor again zach Eady, seven of eight from the uh field uh made all 11 of his foul shots there a uh, pretty special night for the big man, Cameron Heidi, important mm-hmm. off the bench. That is something Matt Painter talked about. More bench production. The wing gave that to them. Uh, Heidi down. That's a single shot. 4-4 four, four from 3. 18 points for the young wing. Yep. Uh, Purdue gets back on the road. They visit at Ann Arbor in Michigan. 2 o'clock on Sunday. Elsewhere, Indiana tries to climb out of their three-game losing streak. They're at Penn State. That's a noon tip. Is that going to be like a pick'em game, you think? Or is Penn State going to be a couple-point favorite? I think Penn State's going to get the couple-point favorite there. That's a noon tip tomorrow. And then Butler has a huge one tomorrow night at Seton Hall. Shaheen Holloway and company, 
8.30 tip there. That is a big one for the Bulldogs. So, again, to update you on where things stand Butler-wise, certainly you can look at a number of brackets right now. We'll go with ESPN because the name, I think, is the most obvious to our listening audience. Joe Lenardi's latest update, and this was after Butler played earlier this week, he moved Butler down to the fourth team out of the tournament. He has Butler as team 72, if you want to look at it from that end. He's got Seton Hall as team 65 in Dayton in one of the play-in spots. So just look at it right there. You've got a team in the play-in. You've got a team just on the outside of the bubble. Obviously, it's a monumental game. So Butler's had this stretch of, I think it's eight straight quad one, maybe one of them quad two games. They've won three of them. I think at the start of it, Mark, we mentioned three to four. You got to get three to four. Gotten three of them. It looks like in all likelihood they're going to need another because, again, the rest of the way, DePaul, St. John's, Xavier, those don't offer great resume opportunities. Mm -mm. You don't get this Saturday night, you're going to have to go to Madison Square Garden, a place Butler has not had a lot of tournament success, and try to get multiple games Rick Pitino didn't do you any favors with the uh, St. John's slander. He added his team earlier this week. That didn't help you anywhere. No, no. They responded by beating Georgetown. Mm -hmm. So will the Louisville – it's probably an Andy question. Are the Louisville cronies going to be in the building Wednesday at Hinkle for Butler St. John's? You'd have to imagine so. Ricky P's boys? Will he be one of them? I don't know. We'll see how his voice is. Maybe he'll be out there. He's talked about going to that game, hasn't he? I think so. We'll see. Hanging out with Ricky P's boys Mm -hmm. there. Wednesday will be a busy one for us. Can Chris Bauer, Shane Steichen chatting with the media at the Combine one-on-one, though. Chris Bauer going to join us Thursday morning here as we uh, get into Combine Week next week. No franchise tag talk yet either uh, around the league. Haven't Correct. seen anybody yet. Nobody tagged. What are we, three days into mm-hmm. it? And again, deadlines for action. It's a 14-day window. Um, if I remember correctly, I want to say over the last handful of years in the NFL, there's only been like two or three February tags for these guys. So not too surprising. And you know, again, a part of Combine Week is all about speaking with agents. And settling some of your contract issues that you might have for teams and those respective agents with their clients. So that'll be a big part of next week, and then you'll start to see some actions play out following that. All right, on the other side, it is time for a pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Scotty's entered the building. Scotty, what would you say the difficulty is on this one? A 6 out of 10. I'm looking at the answers um, outside of the final one. All of the answers are in English, easy to pronounce, are not Sandy Koufax's grandnephews. They're in this century, yeah. Yeah, it looks doable. Yeah, I'd say it's not too bad for Friday. At times, I think the answer to number two plays in slow motion. But then I'm like, damn. We mentioned him today. I'm like, wow, he had a pretty good night there. Uh, Pop quiz is next, 317-239-1070. All right, it's time for the pop quiz, 317-239-1070. You know Shane Steichen was once on uh, Price is Right? Was he? Yeah. Like, like he actually, got, he, got, he got on the stage. I'm pretty sure he got on stage. I, I think How he at have least we not found that video yet. He at least got to the um, what do you call it? The four person guessing. Yeah, 